Why did Jesus come? In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Does he mean it? In John chapter 3, verse 16, he says that God loves the entire world. In fact, it says that he so loves the entire world. Does he mean it? In John chapter 3, verse 17, it tells us Jesus is not on a mission to crush us. He's not on a mission to condemn us. We stand condemned in our sin already, but that he is on a saving mission. Jesus is on a gracious saving mission. Is he really? Does God really love all people? Does he really desire for all people to be saved? Aren't there some people outside of the scope of his love? Aren't there some people outside of the reach of his grace? Now, surely there are. Surely there has to be. Well, tonight John begins an account to show us God's word is true. God's heart is love. And his grace is actually for all People. His grace is actually for all people. Our message tonight is entitled, A Spring of Grace. A Spring of Grace. Tonight we're in John chapter 4, tonight verses 1 through 14. John chapter 4, tonight verses 1 through 14. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 4, beginning in the first verse. God's word says this. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although John himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria named Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to, Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well, and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for the opportunity of this night. We're thankful that we can come and honor you and praise you, lift up your name. Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight. And I I pray that you would teach us tonight. 
that you would train us, that you would shape us, that you would convict us, that you would lead us. And I pray, Lord, that it would be an actual supernatural event. Again, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And it wouldn't be a lecture. It wouldn't be just the, the passing on of information. But it would be a time that you met with your people, that you spoke. And then it truly was a supernatural event. Lord, I pray if there's some in the hearing of this tonight that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the good news of the remedy for sin, a risen Savior, Jesus, that folks would turn and put their trust in you, that they would turn and seek you out as the remedy for their sin, and in that, that they would be saved. Lord, we come tonight and we tell you we love you, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, we exalt you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we start tonight, remember that John the Apostle is revealing Jesus. In his gospel, he is showing us who is Jesus. And he's answering the question, what is his gospel? And so John is revealing Jesus to us. We need to get that in our mind. We need to understand that. As we pass through this gospel, he is revealing Jesus to us. And then in our account tonight, we see Jesus is revealing himself. He's revealing himself to the world. He's revealing himself to this woman. He's revealing himself to the disciples. And even to us today, Jesus is revealing himself. And so understand, John is revealing Jesus. And then Jesus in our account today, in our, in our verses tonight, he is revealing himself to us. And so as we are studying, we are seeing Jesus. As we are looking at these verses, we are learning of Jesus. Jesus is revealing himself to us tonight. All right, very quickly, we have a lot of verses to cover. Let's go to our verses tonight, beginning in the first verse. It says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Now, I want you to remember the context here. Remember a a movement is brewing. A movement is growing. Jesus has performed miracles during the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. He has gone to the region of Judea outside, south of Jerusalem, and he is preaching there. Remember, he is preaching repentance. He is calling people to see their sin, to be sorrowful over their sin, and to turn in repentance to God. And so his, his message is to repent, turn from your sin and turn to God. Now, as a sign of that, they are being baptized. Well, that movement is causing quite a stir. That movement is growing. And when, where the Pharisees were once taking note of and concerned about John the Baptist, that has now turned and they're now hearing about Jesus. They are growing in their concern over Jesus. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, verse 2, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. Verse 2 makes a clarification for us. Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. Verse 3. He left Judea and went away again 
into Galilee. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. Now, understand, Judea is to the south, and Galilee, Jesus' home base, Jesus' home area, is to the north. So he has left Jerusalem. He's gone to the area of Judea to the south, but his area, his home base, is to the north in Galilee. Well, the Bible says because of the stir, because of the growing concern of the Pharisees, Jesus leaves Judea and he makes his way, the Bible says, again to Galilee. All right, let's look at verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria. Don't miss that. And he had to pass through Samaria. Verse 4 is a very interesting verse. It's a very important verse. Between Judea to the south and Galilee to the north, sandwiched in between, was the area, was the region of Samaria. Well, verse 4 tells us, says to us, and he had, notice this, to pass through Samaria. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, I want you to see this. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were descendants of the Jews uh, who had intermarried with the Assyrians. Remember, uh, during the captivity, the Assyrians were sent down to intermarry that they would dilute the population. Uh, they have intermarried with the Assyrians during the captivity, and they were mixed ethnicity. And not only that, they were a different religion. They had changed the religion. They were belonging to a different religion. Well, because of this, even though they're close in proximity, even though they share a same heritage, the Jews could not stand them. In fact, they counted them as dogs. They counted them as traitors. They counted them as less than. And they literally hated these people. They hated these people. Well, because of this, as Jews, when they traveled between Judea and Galilee, they would cross over the Jordan River and they would go around Samaria. If they were, if they were headed down to Judea, they would cross over and they would head to the south. And when they got past Samaria, they would cross back over the Jordan River. If they were going north to Galilee, they would cross over the Jordan River. They'd make their way north. And when they'd pass Samaria, they would cross back over. Now, it would add greatly to the trip. It was a great hardship for the trip, but they would skip Samaria at all costs. Listen, they had a burning hatred for these people. It might add two days to the trip, but we're going to go out of the way not to even pass through their territory. And so see this tonight. There was another route. In fact, it was the popular route. In fact, it was the route that everybody would take. There was another route. He didn't have to go there for a lack of another route. There was another route. In fact, it was the route that the disciples would expect. It was the route that the disciples had taken. And yet Jesus says, here's what it says in verse 4, he had to pass through Samaria. In the Greek, in the original language, that word had means was necessary. It was necessary. In the, in the King James Version, it says he must needs go by the way of Samaria. He must needs go. It was necessary. He had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to? 
Why did he have to? There's another route. Why did he have to? Let me tell you why tonight. He had to because God is no respecter of people. Acts chapter 10, God's not prejudiced. He had to because there's no partiality with God. Romans chapter 2 says that. He's not partial to this group to the exclusion of another group. There's no partiality with God. Romans chapter 2. He has to because God desires that all people would be saved. Listen, if you've been coming to any of these nights, if you've been listening to them, we have found out that in the New Testament, all means all. Pos means pos. Second Peter 3, 9, he desires that all people would be saved. He had to because God so loves all people that he gave his only begotten son for all people. John chapter 3, verse 16. And so, folks, listen to me. He could go any which way that he pleased. He could go around. But because of who he is, he must needs go by way of Samaria. Because of who he is, he had to. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. What if our God was prejudiced? What if our God said, I don't even know you, but I don't like you because somebody else told me not to like you? What if our God said, you know what, I've decided to accept this group and to cast off this group of no merit that they've ever done? I don't like them, and he's prejudiced. Praise the Lord that he must needs go because he loves all people desiring they'd be saved. I imagine the disciples as they start north. Well, hey, hey, it's 35 miles to the Jordan River. There's a place I like to eat when we cross there. I want to go by there. And Jesus says, we must needs. We're going to go. We have to because of who he is. And he had to pass through Samaria, verse 5. And he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Let me read verse 6. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. By Hebrew time, it was about noon. There's some that speculate what time it was. I think they would go by Hebrew time. And by Hebrew time, it was about noon. In the original language, it says that Jesus was wearied. He was worn down is what it means. He, he had grown tired from the things that were going on. He was tired from the travel. And so he is wearied. He is worn down. It says they're near the city of Sychar. One mile outside of town. It's about a mile outside of town is Jacob's well. Jacob's well is about 100 feet deep. They had dug it by hand, and it had a spring in it. And what that means is the well didn't run dry. There was much water in Jacob's well. Now, Sychar actually means the land of the springs. And so this whole area has a bunch of springs, so much so they named the little town the land of the springs. Some old accounts used to call it Jacob's Spring instead of Jacob's Well. Well, here it is that Jesus is sitting down. Now, I was thinking about this, how strange to see Jesus in this ancient setting. 
Jacob was the father of Israel. You know the story. He, he, had, he had had the, the sons of Israel. He was the father of Israel, and he had passed by this area, no doubt, many times. The Bible says that he had watered himself there by this well. He'd, he'd watered his cattle there, and you can picture it. So, so there is Jacob, the father of Israel, as he waters his cattle by this well. After that, he said he gave it to his son, Joseph. And so Joseph and his, his family, his people, they would stop, and they would water by this well. And now all of these years later, Jesus is sitting by this well. He is tired, he's wearied, and he's sitting by this well. Verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. In verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to get water, to draw water. Noon was an odd time to draw water. Most folks came early in the day or they would have come late in the evening to avoid the heat of the day. And it would have been a very rare thing. In fact, it would have been an almost unlikely thing that someone would come in the heat of the day to draw water. It was an odd time to come get water. That she was alone was also odd. Most folks would travel in groups and maybe they did it for help. Maybe they did it for support. Maybe they did it for safety. Maybe they did it for companionship. And surely as they made their way to get the water, surely they would talk as they made the way and they would catch up on the events of the day before and the events of the day and they would talk about who was going to have a kid and they would talk about who was going to get married and they would talk about the latest things that they would hear and surely you could hear the chatter and the laughter from far off, but not her. She walked alone in silence that she came so far was odd. You see, there were a whole lot of wells a lot closer than this one. And she traveled a mile there, and she was going to load those buckets, and she was going to haul back another mile. It was a long way to carry. After all, the land was called the Land of Springs. There were wells that she passed by on the way to this well, and yet she travels far from the city. And so comes this woman. Traveling so far, traveling alone, no one to talk to, traveling at such an odd, hot, inconvenient time of the day. Here comes this woman, and then it gets odder. Jesus says, give me a drink. Now, I want to I be clear. In the original language, it is a polite request. That sounds kind of abrupt to us. Give me a drink. That's not how it goes. It is a polite request that he makes of the woman. He asks her for water. Now, I understand this. In this day, men did not speak to women in public, not even their wives. It's, it's a disgrace, but, but one rabbi talking of this time period said to keep women in their place. You know, you're not worth talking to. You don't have any information. I didn't know there's nothing that's important about you. And so men did not speak to women, not even their wives, to keep them in their place. Now, not only that, Jews did not speak to Samaritans, evidence of their hatred. So you know what? I have nothing to say to you. You're not important. You're, you're a dog to me. You're a traitor to me. And so Jews did not speak to Samaritans. Not only that, strangers would not speak to people they didn't know. It was a rare event. If it ever happened that strangers would talk to each other. Now, not only that, a rabbi did not speak to a woman that had been deemed immoral. He wouldn't do it. 
A Samaritan woman, now listen to this. By Jewish oral tradition, this wasn't of God, but Jewish oral tradition, a Samaritan woman was deemed perpetually unclean. Perpetually unclean. And so here comes this woman. Here is Jesus, and he has grown weary, and he's sitting at this ancient well. And the Bible says Jesus talks to this woman. Give me a drink, verse 8. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. He was alone in verse 8. Verse 9. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? She asked, How is it that you, a Jew, how is it that you would ask me for a drink? She knew how it was supposed to be. She knew all the supposed rules. She knew all of the expectations. She, she wasn't blown away by that. How, I know how to, this works. I know the expectation. She could not fathom it. The only time that this would have happened was to solicit a prostitute. And so even in his talking was an insult to her. Even in her talking was, a, was adding to her shame and her degradation that he would talk. Well, I know why you're talking. There's only one reason you would talk. I know your traditions. The verse has this explanation. It says, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now, this is interesting. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. No dealings translates, very interesting, translates to use the same utensils. To use the same utensils. A Jew would never use the same dishes as a Samaritan. Even if they were washed, even if time had elapsed, they would not use, that's how much they hated those folks, they would not use the same dishes. And yet how does he ask her for water? She's going to use her pot. Her vessel is unclean to him. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and, you, and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Verse 10 is a very strange response. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God. Well, what is the gift of God? He says, and if you knew who I am, if you knew the one you were talking to, well, who are you? Then you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. I would have given you living water. I kind of have to laugh right here, because this woman has no idea. She has no idea who she's talking to. She has no idea that she's talking to the Savior, Christ himself, God incarnate, God in the flesh. She's sitting there at this well. She has no idea. She has no idea. He could have announced himself to the religious leaders. He could have gone to the higher-ups there in Jerusalem. He could have had banquet after banquet, dinner party after dinner party. He could have found the seats of power. He could have revealed himself there. But here he is out this well in the desert with her. She has no idea. She has no idea the good news that she's about to hear. She can't even fathom it. She has no idea. Verse 11. She said to him, Sir, 
You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? The well's 100 feet deep. She says, what are you even talking about? You don't have a rope that long. You don't have anything here. How are you going to get living water? You can't do that. What are you talking about? Verse 12. You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this, the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? She didn't know. We learned just yesterday, verse 31, that Jesus is above all. She didn't know that. We learned that yesterday in, in the testimony of Scripture that he's above all, that he surpasses all. But she doesn't know. He's above Abraham. He's above Isaac. He's above Jacob. He's above Moses as much as they beloved him. He's above Elijah and Elisha. He's above Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's above David and any other king of Israel, great or small. She's above them all. He's above them all. She has no idea. She has no idea that the one she's talking to has a name that's higher than any other name that's ever been given among men that's going to be lifted higher than all the other names. She has no idea who this weary traveler is that sits by the well. He surpasses them all. Surely you're not greater than our father, are you? He is greater than all. She has no idea. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Wow, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. I imagine him as he moves his arm over this well of his ancestors. This water is cool. This water is a blessing. It's been a blessing to our family, to our people. This water, however, doesn't quench. It doesn't last it doesn't satisfy everyone who's ever drank from this well. Everyone who ever drank from this well, they will thirst again. They all have. It does not satisfy. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Listen to me tonight. Jesus has a different water. Jesus provides a different water. That's what he says here. I'll provide it. I would have given it to you. I will give it. He provides a different water. Hear me. Jesus' water will satisfy. Jesus' water will quench the thirst of people. And whether they're longing for forgiveness, oh, that I can be forgiven of these sins. Whether they're longing for faithfulness, oh, that I would never be betrayed again. Whether they're longing for righteousness, whether they're one of those people that have to come at odd times doing odd things to hide the shame of their sin. To those that are thirsting for peace, I can't find any peace in this world. To those that have been robbed of their joy, oh, I wish I could find joy. For those folks that are thirsting, he he says, I will give you water and you will be satisfied. Those that thirst in Jesus will be satisfied. Do you hear the good news tonight? Whatever you're thirsting for, if you're thirsting for forgiveness, you'll find it in Jesus. If you're thirsting for peace, it's only in Jesus. Those that thirst tonight in Jesus will be satisfied. Now that's not all. 
It says it will be a well in him, in them, of water springing up to eternal life. Now, what in the world does that mean? It will be a well in him of water springing up to eternal life. Listen, Jesus gives life, but understand tonight, it is not a one-time event. It is not a bucket that needs to be with, refilled. You don't have to go back and do it again and again and again. When you're saved, when you take his water, when you trust him in salvation, the Bible says you are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, the well rises up in you and it overflows in you and we have life filled with life. That's the definition of eternal life. Life filled with life, joyful life, abundant life, life filled with life. And listen, the sins of the past are overrun in this well. The sorrows of the present, they are washed away in this well. And there's a spring of life that wells up inside of us. Listen very carefully. Folks, that is our salvation. You understand that? Do you see that? Sometimes we read that account and I say, oh, I'm, I'm glad for her. Oh, that's good for her. She had it so bad. She had it so tough. Good for her. Listen, this is us. When we are saved, we are renewed, we are reconciled, we are made right with the Holy God. When we are saved, we are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and a well springs up in us and we have life that overflows, life that overflows. This isn't her in some distant day. It includes us. This is our salvation. I'll never understand how we're so depressed in our day. I never understand how we're so beat down. I don't, I never understand how we say, I don't understand the economy and I don't understand Afghanistan and I don't understand the Delta variant and I don't understand this and I don't understand that. And we get so pushed down. Listen, this is us in Christ. This is our salvation. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Here's the question. Is that your reality? Is that your reality? Because that is our salvation. That is our promise. That is our truth in Jesus. Let's pray. During Father, we come. And I'm so thankful that you're gracious to us all. I'm so thankful that you didn't push some out. You didn't write some off. Thankful that you loved us all, that you sent your only begotten Son. The one that would sit by a well and tell of hope and peace and promise. The woman leave that well and carry my sin to a cross, carry her sin to the cross, taking our shame and bearing it that we might bear it no more, dying in our place, rising again from the dead in victory, payment settled, redemption purchased, 
standing in victory. Lord, I'm thankful that you tell us this is our salvation. We have life and we have life that's abundant, life that's full in you, and it wells up and it doesn't run out. It's in your grace. It's in your kindness shown to us. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service that you have spoken. I know you have. I pray that you continue to speak. I pray that believers here tonight are encouraged. And some of us have walked through tough things in, in the loss of loved ones, in the, in the, in the things of finances, and the things of relationships, the hardships of life. And we, we sit here and we, we smile a lot, but we suffer on the inside. And I pray that believers tonight have been encouraged. We have a well inside of us that does not run dry, that wells up, springs up, life full of life. Lord, I pray that we would grab that. I pray that it would change how we sleep tonight. I pray it would change how we move and how we talk tomorrow. Lord, help us to embrace that. And I pray for some that, that are hearing tonight that do not know you. They're fighting a battle they cannot win. They're looking for hope and they'll never find it outside of you. And I pray that tonight in the hearing of the good news of this Savior, our Savior, that tonight they find peace, that they find forgiveness of their sin. They trust you and they are saved. Lord, I pray that you stir in their hearts. Lord, we give you this time of invitation, this time of response. We pray that you'd move in it, that you'd be glorified through it. We tell you we love you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation a time to respond to the truth of God's word. And listen, God's word is preached and it changes us, teaches us, but it's always calling for a response. And I want to tell you, if you're here or you're listening somewhere tonight and you've never trusted Jesus, the call of Jesus is trust him, turn to him. He will forgive, he will renew, he will restore. If you're hearing my voice tonight, your answer tonight is in Jesus. Jesus alone, trust Jesus, turn to Jesus. If you're here and, and, and you've made a, a decision to follow Christ, but you never followed in believer's baptism, you come and we'll set a date and it'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of our Savior, signifying who we are in Him. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Don't you move if you haven't prayed about it and God hasn't led you. If He's led you, you come and we'll serve His purpose. We'll uphold His word. We'll point to His glory until He comes again. Maybe tonight... On this Wednesday night, you want to come pray to an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. We're not in a rush to get anywhere. We'll, we'll, we'll take our time. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. Truly the most important time of our hour. As we stand and sing, if, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.